Hey, business building warrior, I've got a treat for you today. It's a 16 year old young man from Canada named Daniel Ezezer. And he has, to jump straight to the good part, turned $300 his uncle gave him for doing some work. He turned that $300 after rolling it over and over and over for about a year in his Amazon business, turned it into $75,000. I had him do the math before our episode. I gave him a little homework assignment because I knew uh, that I was going to have him on the show. And I said, figure out about how much money you're making per hour the past few months and, and share that with us on the show. So just to cut to that part of the story, he's making about $60 per hour net profit after everything's paid for. $60 per hour as a 16-year-old, very part-time, still hitting it hard in school, <laughs> full schedule. Just got back from a long vacation with his family where he had to set the business down for a few weeks. He's still doing incredibly well. He tells us how he finds products, what he sells, what he thinks of our community, and how influential and important to him our free Facebook group has been in his journey to growth. He talks about the proven Amazon course, which is where he learned the replen strategy. That's the strategy that we teach to 95% of all of our new students, no matter where you live in the world, even if you're in a country that doesn't have Amazon. That's the model we teach you because it works. So he lives in Canada and he sells in Amazon US. We talk about some of the challenges he's faced and overcome there, how he's worked out those details. Uh, it's just one of those young men that I think really illustrates very well that, hey, if you're willing to do the work, put in the time, study the systems, you can build something special. And one of the things he talks about that I really enjoyed that I didn't spend time talking with him on the episode was just the, the different culture that he said he found. He'd been in some other communities before he found ours and there was just a different vibe there. And I didn't talk about it with him, but I do want to mention why that is very briefly. And I mention it from time to time and bear with me before I bring Daniel on the line. I'm just going to describe why I think the culture that we've built in this community is different. And it simply comes down to how we view success. We all have to make a decision whether you've consciously made this choice or not. You've made a decision whether success is something that anybody can have or it's something that only a few people get. And until they share, the rest of us don't get any. You have to view success as either cake or candlelight is ultimately what I'm talking about. And if you view it as cake, that means if you get a piece and someone else gets a piece and another stranger gets a piece, pretty soon when I come along, it's gone. There's no success left for me. That's one vantage point. And a lot of communities out there in e-commerce or business associations, they have that vantage point. One of the things that we always say at our events at the opening of the event typically is, hey, you are not among competitors in our free Facebook group. These are not your competitors. These are fellow business building warriors. We're here to support and encourage and equip each other, share what's working. And that culture is something that Daniel noticed. And it's been very influential in his business success. See, because you can see business success as a cake, which we already discussed, or you can see it as candlelight, meaning I can light a candle and light your candle and we can light as many candles as we want with the ideas and the encouragement and the inspiration. We can all have as much candle as we want without any of us losing anything. That's the way the world actually works. And that's the decision that we've made as a community to go down with that worldview of success. Any of us can have as much success as we want. And it works. It just works. That's why, to my knowledge, we're the only podcast in the e-commerce space that has every single week multiple success story interviews with our students. I don't have to come up with content and dream up new, imagine new ways to, to impress you or to, to show off what I know. I just bring great students on this show week after week after week. And it makes for some great, very popular content based on the feedback and the number of viewers that continues to grow to go up. We just passed three and a half million total downloads recently for this podcast. Pretty incredible. But that's enough of an intro. Let's jump over and meet Daniel. He just has an incredible story to share. You're going to find it very motivating. And I think if you uh, stick around to the end, you're going to think to yourself, man, okay, this is something I can do. I want to do this. If you've got some time and motivation, this is a business model that works. So God bless you, business building warrior. Let's jump over here and meet Daniel right now. So Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure, man. I love getting those young men on here, those young entrepreneurs, young ladies too, of course, always welcome. But it's really good having you here, man. I want to get right into your story. Yeah, for sure. So I'll just give a little bit of a background from before I got into e-commerce. I really didn't sort of being like born as an entrepreneur. I remember I heard you um, say once in a 
prior podcast that everyone is an entrepreneur. We just really know it until it's beat out of us. I feel like I can really relate to that because that really happened to me in twenty in twenty twenty during like the COVID nineteen quarantine when everything really started. So before that, I really didn't do much with selling online or e commerce or really business as a whole. But just really like play video games with my friends. I'd go out and just everything a, a normal teenager would do. Yeah, and how um, old are you again? I'm sixteen. Sixteen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so how I got into e commerce. And um, before I saw the My Son Team Facebook group and started selling on Amazon, really, was in I, about 2018, 2017, 2018. I was pretty interested in uh, selling sneakers and shoes and um, flipping sort of clothing and streetwear. Um, so what I would do was I would go on um, websites like Foot Locker and um, Supreme.com, places where like it sells out really quickly and the average public can't really get it because it sells out so fast. I would try and purchase those products, whether it's clothing or shoes, um, get it before it sells out. And then I would um, flip it on like Facebook marketplace or Kijiji or anywhere where I can find a buyer basically. So I was doing that for a little bit of time. And um, in the beginning of 2020, during quarantine, I noticed a lot of people were promoting online. There's Shopify and e-commerce and Amazon selling online sort of thing. So I got I got pretty interested into that. And um, I actually started out doing Shopify dropshipping. It wasn't successful at all. And I didn't really like the premise of it because looking at it, I couldn't understand as a buyer how you would wait over a month really to get your product delivered to your house when there are places like Amazon that offer Prime where it's next day shipping. So I remember when I got my first order, it took 35 days for the order to get delivered. I'm surprised I didn't get a chargeback or a refund. I'm surprised the customer wasn't yelling at me at that point because it took so long. And so I started with that. I, I put a little bit of time into it, probably about three to four months. And um, I noticed it wasn't really working out for me. So I decided to um, look for something else to do. I then came across eBay. And um, when I came across eBay, that's when I saw another group that was promoting themselves doing retail and online arbitrage. They were more so flipping clearance items. So you walk into a Walmart, you scan the shelf of clearance items, and you basically see if it sells, if it's profitable, and you flip it on eBay, not on Amazon. They were promoting Amazon, but I knew that it had a bit of a difficult pro sign-up process to get started. So I wasn't actually able to get started then. Also, I'm not 18, so I'm not um, old enough to actually uh, start selling on Amazon. So I started on eBay. And it worked out for a little bit. I think I bought I bought two items. It was these um, dumbbells. I had a friend that actually did it with me as well, and um, it worked. Uh, surprisingly, I bought it on uh, Walmart. I bought it for forty eight dollars, I think, and I ended up selling it for a hundred dollars, and I made double my money. So that's when I kind of knew that wow, this stuff actually works. The thing that didn't really work out with that group is I noticed that they were very big on the United States and selling to the United States on eBay.com. Meanwhile, I'm in Canada and I sell to eBay.ca to Canadian customers. So I didn't think, I didn't find personally that they were sort of giving the time and need to Canadian sellers and they were really focusing on um, United States. So it didn't really work out for me. And I actually reached out to one of the mentors there and one of the like coaches in the group. And they were kind of just telling me cookie cutter textbook things that I can, I could Google on YouTube and I could find the same answer. So I didn't really think it it didn't really work out for me. I even actually went to the, the moderator of the group and tried to get a refund. And at first he was hesitant. I wasn't even able to get my money back for it. Um, eventually he was a bit sympathetic and did give it back to me. But that's when I knew that, okay, well, the business model works. I just, maybe I need to find something, some other group or somebody else that can help me with this. And that's when I come, I came across the, the My Silent team and the Facebook group. And, um, at first going into it, I really thought it would have been the same thing, um, that they wouldn't give the time of day to Canadian sellers. But as I was scrolling through the Facebook group, I saw a lot of people were international, not only North America, like Canada, but I was seeing some people in London. I was seeing some other people that were in like Vietnam. So all, all sorts of the world, all, all parts of it. And I actually remember when I started, I'm uh, seeing the group. And I got onto Amazon. I got my dad to help me sign up for it. And when I did, I wanted to list FBM only because I didn't understand FBA and I didn't know any of that territory. I was so confused with how it worked. 
and I didn't want to mess anything up. So I started yeah. FBA. Well, you were coming from the world of selling on eBay, which meant when something sold, you had to ship it. Exactly. So, yeah. and the same thing when you were you doing your, um, you know, sourcing the athletic gear and that's where they, like someone bought it, you had to ship it, right? Right, exactly. So you can do the same thing on Amazon. So that's where you started. FBM, for those who don't know, Merchant Fulfill, that means you do the shipping. Amazon will love, loves to do the shipping for you. If you want them, you can send it to the warehouse. But you started off doing all your own shipping, which is perfectly fine. Many, many sellers stay right there. We do a lot of both actually. But yeah, I just wanted to clarify for the listeners you know, what you were talking about there. Great story. I'm loving this, man. Keep, keep rolling. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, like I said, I was doing FBM. I would ship it out. And um, I remember my first order was in Q4. So it was in December. It was the Christmas time. And during that time, you see a lot of people buying for Christmas. So that's what I was doing. I was selling seasonal products. The first product I sold was actually a Christmas ornament kind of thing. And I got a sale. I listed it at around noon, probably 1230 that day. And at 8 p.m. it sold. And I was like ecstatic. I was freaking out. I was so happy it actually worked. And I actually ended up buying the product after I got the sale. Now, if I do FBM or if I have any inventory, I only sell it if I have the stock. Smart. Um, but back then, I really, I was just beginning. I didn't have much money either. I um, uh, mentioned before that I only started with 300 Canadian dollars, which is about 230, 240 US dollars. So I didn't really have much working with me. And the product that I bought was around $25. So I couldn't really buy a lot of them if I had to scale and I wanted to sell more. So I, what I ended up doing was after I got the sale, I shipped it out. And I continued to do that a few other times until I ran out of the $300 and I had to wait. And I remember getting my first payout and I was just thinking, wow, this is incredible. This actually works. I was so shocked. I was like thinking to myself, I barely was able to do this the last time I tried on eBay in Canada. And now I'm here doing it and I'm actually getting paid. And I saw the money in my bank account and it was amazing. It was an amazing feeling. Yeah. Um, the speed that transactions can begin to happen as you find winners on Amazon, it blows my mind. We hear the stories of people putting stuff in their shopping cart and waiting in line to check out, listing it, merchant fulfill. Mm -hmm. Because obviously, if you're going to send it to Amazon, it takes some time to travel there and sit on their shelf and they won't sell it till it's sitting on their shelf. But if you merchant right. fulfill and you do this selling yourself, well, you can list it while you're standing in the store checking out and things will yeah. sell before you get your cart to the register and pay. And we have that happen. People oftentimes will talk about getting out of line and going back and clearing the shelves. Like, wow, okay, this is it's simply because of the sheer volume of people shopping on Amazon. I'm not sure what the Canadian numbers are, but I know it reflects fairly close to the United States numbers. Half of all transactions online any given day in the United States are on Amazon. That means eBay and the other 8 billion other sites out there share the other half. Amazon is half the action. Everyone else shares the other half. So that's why Amazon yeah. is the, the big boy in the room. Right. And I actually take advantage of the United States market. I actually sell on amazon.com as well. So that sale that I got FBM, that was Amazon.com. And I remember when I starting out, I was looking at the numbers comparing eBay to Amazon. And Amazon is at least 10 times bigger than eBay. So you have so many more buyers and so much more opportunity on Amazon. And I don't like to completely um, neglect eBay because I think there's definitely a lot of opportunity and potential in there. But just looking at it from a statistics point of view, Amazon is a lot bigger and there's a lot more opportunity. And well, I, I, I want to be sure to dive into how you're selling in the, the dot-com marketplace. Some people, for some reason, are very intimidated by that. Not right now, but if they live outside the US, they're thinking, oh, I can't sell in the US. That's too complicated. You've figured it out. So I want to talk through that part of your story for sure. Uh, but keep going with the, the chronology of your story. This, this is good. Sure. Yeah. And like you mentioned, how people are intimidated. I was too. I actually started on Amazon.ca and then I, I gradually moved to dot-com. But, but what ended up happening with that time uh, in December was I was getting the hang of doing FBM and shipping to the United States, and it was working really well. I actually even remember there was this one product that I, I had found that was also Christmas themed that I cleared the shelf for at a local retail store. And by the time I got home, it was all gone. It all sold. So I had to go running around to more stores to find it. And I ended up going to three or four different stores that day looking for the same product to sell even more of. And after that, 
when uh, about New Year's through the first week of January, these products weren't selling anymore. So I noticed that I needed to shift and pivot into something else. And by this time, I did not have the uh, proven Amazon course. I was just going solely on my instinct and what I could find. Sure. And once I once I actually uh, got the proven Amazon course and I started looking for not only seasonal repellent products but products that I can buy and sell all year round, that's when I actually started to notice some traction and where it started to take off a little bit more. But at the start, it was a little bit uh, of a rough journey getting the sales and getting the the traction and finding the product. Gotcha. Okay, so you were just using your basic eBay research. Maybe yeah. looking for clearance items and that sort of thing, right? Yeah, looking at something like I remember at the store I was in. It's a Canadian Tire. It's a very big store in Canada. When there were the seasonal wall was right next to the entrance, so I just made a, a right and I saw the seasonal wall. And I was looking at a bunch of stuff there, and the first thing that pointed out to me was this one product, of which that I ended up listing in the afternoon and selling at night. Gotcha. Um, cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that is a that's a viable business model. A lot of people stay right there. That's kind of have you ever seen our like pyramid of opportunity on Amazon where we kind of talk about the lower level opportunities and working your way up. You can make a great business out of just hitting clearance aisles, looking for unique products that are the demand is outpacing the supply and you're the first one to get them. That can be a very viable business model. A lot of people stay right there. Retail arbitrage, online arbitrage, you hear it called. But I like that I think we're going to tr- contrast. If I remember your story, you started stepping into replens, correct? I trying to. You're starting um, so, to. Okay. Yeah, that's when I started to after the December time because I knew I couldn't sell these Christmas products all year long. So I was trying to look for products that I can sell year um, round, any any time of the year. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I did was I was doing FBM to the United States, but I was too scared and a bit too intim- intimidated to actually get into FBA to the United States. So I moved off of the United States for about three months. And in January, after that time of FDM, I went into um, Canada. So I started selling on Amazon.ca. And back then, the products that I would sell were also seasonal because I couldn't, I didn't really know how to find uh, that many replins. And I didn't also know what I was doing. I didn't have Keepa either at that time, um, which by the way, for anybody listening, Keepa is a great tool. It's all you need really. And it will help you find amazing products and know whether they actually sell or not. Um, so, But back then, I didn't have that. So the product that I ended up selling was also seasonal. In Canada, it snows a lot during the January, February time. So I was selling um, hockey skate guards. A lot of people were skating during that time. I was selling it to Canada, buying it from Canada. And I started doing FBM on that product. And once I felt comfortable doing a lot more FBM, I got into FBA. Now. At this time, getting I was also transitioning from getting into FBA as well as looking for all year round products because these skate guards I could only sell during the winter time. Uh, when I was starting F- FBM, which was late January, early February, um, that's when I got the proven Amazon course and I started to um, look figure out how to find products that are good and how to really just teaching me through the way to actually scale this business model. So what I ended up doing was starting out before getting the proven Amazon course, I just wanted to ask a question in the group to see if I could get a response and to see if maybe they could help. This product that I had, I probably sold three or two in a couple of weeks. So I wanted to test it FBM or sorry, FBA. And I sent two units FBA to a nearby fulfillment center. And I asked in the group chat, a very newbie type beginner question. I was confused how the FBA interface works. And I just asked for a little bit of help on it. And I was actually pretty shocked to see that I got a lot of great feedback and a lot of people actually looking to wanting to help me out and uh, giving me some tips on how to um, get it started. So um, I ended up sending those two units and they ended up selling and I kept on restocking as I was getting used to FBA. I was also during that time sourcing products using the Replens model, watching the Proven Amazon course, figuring out how to um, use it and get around with it and learning it. And during that time, I ended up finding a few other products that I had sent in as well. I was doing mainly uh, FBA to Canada, but not much at all. I probably had four or five products, and I probably had a total of 10 or 12 units in an Amazon fulfillment center. 
and this is in February. So for the fir- for the first the entire month of uh, February, and for about half the month of January, I was getting into figuring out how to use FBA and also learning the proven Amazon course. Um, so it worked and it, it helped a lot. At that time, I also got Keepa and started learning how to use Keepa and what it was. And in March, that's when I, I said to myself, okay, I did really well in the United States. So maybe I'll go back and give it another try. So in March, I ended up finding a product that I could sell, but I didn't do FBM on it. So I did, I did FBA. And my first FBA shipment, I think, had about five or six units. Um, this product was at the time, it was a grocery product. So there was compliance documents that needed to be filled out, but I didn't know I was able to do them and I didn't know how to do them. So I ran it through a prep center that did it for me. So I utilized the prep center to send the product to pack, prep and fulfill it, and then also complete the uh, clearance documentation. So that was a Um, US-based prep center. Did you find them on our prep partner network list? I didn't. This was actually one based in Canada. So at the time, I was sourcing from Canada, selling to the United States. Gotcha. And um, the actual logistics company that I used, um, they were sort of like a third party. Yeah. They bring the, uh, they do all the border and clearance information gotcha. for sending it from Canada to the United States because there's a lot of things that need to be done Absolutely. to do that. Yeah. And so they, they need to uh, send us the name if you don't mind, and we'll stick them on our, it's a publicly available list, but our, our prep center network list of prep partners in the US, Canada, around the world, really. We just maintain a nice list. I don't know if they're on there yet or not. Maybe they are, but um, if not, we need to add them uh, because that is a common challenge a lot of people run into. If you live outside the US, you're trying to sell in the US, getting stuff over the border in the most price-effective way. But another another way that a lot of people do it, I don't know if you do any of this yet or not, is just to buy product that's already in the US. Get on Amazon.com. Have a yeah, prep partner in the US. Are you doing any of that? Not at the moment, but I, I did consider it. So I still yeah. don't actually do it, but I've right now I've found a lot of great products in Canada that I'm able to. And um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the name, but the company is called Stallion Express. They make not. it. Oh, okay, yeah, they're pretty big in Canada. So if any Canadian sellers are hearing this, they probably are familiar. They are big in Canada, and they make it very, very easy to ship from Canada to the United States. Cool. So I always do um, my sourcing in Canada, and then I send it to them, and then. They bring it across the border to which it goes to a fulfillment center. And, How many products um, are you doing that with at this point? I do it with all of my products. Currently, I have about 150 active products. And I've got about 400 that still need to be sent in. And um, Wow. So yeah, 150, So you had 150 active replens, but you yep. found 400 other replens. You still have to I found I found 500, in total 550. Right. I um, have 400 that still need to be sent in and 150 that are currently active around that. Still need to be sent in. I mean, like, you know how you're going to source them. It's just a matter of getting them, yeah. getting them to, you call it stallion and having them sent to the US, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. I wasn't, I wasn't able to do any um, sourcing and buying for the last couple of weeks because I was actually away on um, vacation. So gotcha. I didn't get the chance to do it um, here. But now that I'm back, I'm starting to um, source more of the products. I, I'm aware that I have a lot of products that are out of stock that I need to stock um, back on. But uh, the thing that I love about Replens is I know where to get them and I know I can get a lot of them. So, and the price is always the same. I don't need to worry about if it's a clearance item and then I need to change my prices and see if it's still profitable. I know that this product sells very well for me. I know where to get it. I can buy it and I can keep sending it in. Yeah. The bottleneck really is. I don't want to take words out of your own mouth, but it's very unusual. And you're young enough that you may not have a full appreciation for a business model where what I'm going to sell is an easy problem to solve. Where I'm going to find it, easily solved right. problem. The bottleneck is building the system to get this stuff into my hands and then to send it into Amazon and hiring a prepper, hiring a shopper, finding the time. Oh, now I'm on vacation, so I can't spend any time sourcing. So the business mm-hmm. stops sourcing. But the typically... Most businesses in e-commerce, if they're selling physical product, the challenge is, what am I going to sell? Where am I going to find inventory? People spend years scrambling, you know, going out on weekends, hitting all these different spots, trying to hopefully come back with something they can sell. Yeah. And the model you're describing right now is, I've, I've got my list. And as long as I have time to go get this stuff, I know it's going to be profitable because I send it in and it sells. 
It's a, be- it's a beautiful model. I don't want to understate it. I know there's some complexities there. It's work, but still that grind of trying to find what am I going to sell? The replens model really does solve that. Once you know how to look and identify and find replens, I want you to describe to me how you find those. You said you found, you said 500 or 550 total. What'd you say? It was 550. 550. Yeah. Yep. How are you finding these so easily? What's the, what's your process? I do uh, mainly OA, so online arbitrage. What that means is I go on to retail stores and I source products from there. I use the model teach and improvement Amazon course. And I always check Keepa, which is a familiar phrase used around. And that's how what I do mainly. I've done a little bit of uh, retail arbitrage in the um, past, but I prefer um, OA or online arbitrage because I am able to do it at home. I'm able to do it on my computer and I'm not sitting there scanning the barcodes on every shelf or taking pictures of the shelves. I can do it on my computer from the convenience of my home. And um, I found personally that it allows me to find more products that way. Absolutely. Yeah. You identified a few of the other... You know, Pretty much no one recommends scanning barcodes to find replans because that, that finds you so many so few results. I mean, just really limits your results. If you're scanning barcodes, you're doing it wrong. That's a good way to put it. But if you take pictures of store shelves, you're going to find a lot of stuff there as well. That is one great strategy. But it's perfectly fine too to sit at home and just kind of scroll through stores in your area or stores that you know you can source from and just shop online and run them through that replin filter. Yeah. It doesn't, do they look good on Keepa? Do they look good, you know, price-wise? Can I, can I source them at a reasonable price? Am I going to make a good profit? Are they selling at a fast enough clip? Once you know how to evaluate, you can find products quickly. So if I gave you an hour right now to go find as many replens as you could and you, you buckled down and focused, how many do you think you could find? Maybe two hours. Give me, just give me some rough numbers. What's your typical experience? In a couple hours, I could probably find between 10 and 30. Mm-hmm. Um, closer to the, probably I'd say between yeah, 20 and 30 or 10 and 30. I've had some days where I've, spent the entire day sourcing and I've done away the entire day. And I actually had a day where I found 150 products in one day and I um, listed them FBA or sorry, FBM. And um, it had a pretty good success rate of the 150, probably around 80% of them sold. And I actually ended up getting a sale on. Now I did a lot of sourcing for that time. I spent a good amount of time of the day. But on an average day, if I'm spending a couple hours on it or an hour or two hours, I could probably find within 20, 25, 30. This is all just so, you, right? Are you doing? Yeah, this is just me. I'm, I'm doing my own thing. I don't have any other uh, VAs or anybody um, helping me find them. Um, now, soon. this, this <laughs> was well, soon, hopefully. This was through um, a lot of time spent learning and researching it. I remember when I started in February and I was sourcing back then or in March. I could find maybe five products a week. Mm-hmm. If that, I could get 20 in a month, maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, you develop instincts. You develop yeah, instincts. For sure. You get faster at scanning through and you can kind of do a little more math in your head. You're like three cans, green beans. Uh, no, there's no profit there for at, at $9. I, you know, move on. Whereas a new mm-hmm. seller might be like, oh, wow, three cans of green beans. I can get those for $3. It's selling for nine. They get excited. Like, no, that's a heavy product. There's no money yeah. there, right? You, you start to be able to do the math in your head, which takes a little time to get that momentum. But the tools will show you, but you learn where not to waste your time, I guess, is the instinct you develop. And one of the things I found too, like when I go on vacation, Daniel, is I'll go into a store I'm unfamiliar with, maybe to pick up a few things for my family. And I've learned to just... I can just walk down an aisle at a normal walking pace and see the replants basically jumping off the shelf into my cart <laughs> because I'm like, yeah. oh, I've never seen that product before. I'm in a Walmart, just like a Walmart at home, but they got a product right there that I've never seen before. And I've been in you know, a good 30 different Walmarts in the past three years, let's say. I've never seen that before. And my, your eyes are kind of drawn to that new thing. And so sure enough, you do a little quick research, beautiful replant, right? So you develop those yeah. instincts over time and you get faster at it. But the fact that you were able to find 150 in a day and 80% of them are profitable products, that's phenomenal. This industry, the e-commerce industry has never seen anything like that before. I'll say it hands down. I've been doing this 20 years. There's nothing like this model out there. There just isn't. It's beautiful. hundred percent. I agree. Yeah. So sure. you've been doing it 20 years too. You, I take it, huh? No. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> best with you. <laughs> about, about a year. 
a yeah, little over a year. Exactly. Yeah. You're talking about February, March for, for the listeners sake, you know, here we are January, 2022. You're talking about less than a year ago. You're kind of starting to wade into this, starting to, you know, you said, if I found five in a week, I'd, I'd be happy. Five replants, yeah. right? Now here you are. If you sit down for a couple hours, you'd find between 10 and 30 easily. Right? Yeah. Beautiful. All right, man. Keep us going. This is a, a great story. You're really inspiring a lot of people right now too, by the way, just so you know. Great. <laughs> right, yeah. So to resume where I was, I think they cut off on March. Um, yeah. What happened then was I got back into the United States uh, marketplace. And that's where I see, even to this day, the majority of my success with um, Amazon. I started getting more comfortable with FBA there. And when I really started to understand it and I started also building capital. Um, all of the profit that I made from the duration of that period, the three to four months, including up to this day now, I still reinvest all of it. Um, and I put it into finding new replins. So, so no, back no in, video games, nothing, man? You're not paying yourself at all? No. Uh, Look I at that discipline. I actually sold my um, gaming video game console to get Good more money and you. I put it back in. Yeah. I probably got about $300 in it and I bought a replin with it. Has, I bought a few products. At what age do you think you're going to be a millionaire net worth? Have you ever thought about that? I did set a goal for 18. So in a couple years, I'd be pretty excited to see if it does happen. But if I'm off by a year or two, I'm not complaining. I, I had in my head, this is a 20-year-old millionaire as I was asking the question. And I love that you've got a more ambitious number than I do. Hit it, man. Prove me wrong. That's beautiful. Hopefully. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, I love the ambition and the drive. I want to learn a little bit more about where this entrepreneurial spirit came from. I loved your opening comment too, and we'll get back into the story. We're, we're going to leave us hanging spring of 2021 here, you know, for just a minute. And we'll get back into it. But you said we're all born with an entrepreneurial spirit. It's just a matter of whether or not it gets beaten out of us at some point. That's my take on things, anyway. Mm-hmm. You tend to agree with that. And you talked about how some things had kind of beaten it out of you, but I'm sure you've got some other things that are pouring back into you, encouraging that. Because to me, all an entrepreneurial spirit is, for the listener's sake, it's that desire to feel the reward that comes from serving others well. That's it. (laughs) I think we're all, that's built into all of us. Like everybody who's buying these products from you, if you can visualize it, that person that just spent $40 on one of your replans, they're so grateful. If they weren't, they wouldn't have paid you. That's why they're paying you. They want that product, the convenience of the delivery to their front step. Thank you. They don't care what you paid for it and all the inconveniences you went through. They just know that they were served well. So if you can start to imagine all these products representing people who's you're saving them time, energy, effort, money, research, gas. They get more time with their kids. They can stay home instead of leaving their house. All these benefits you're adding to their life. That's all an entrepreneur is. Somebody who does that. They serve others well. And you're doing that. So that's a very rewarding thing that I think until it's beat out of us and we start believing some lies about business, that we're all entrepreneurial in spirit. We love seeing other people happy because of our work and effort. So talk me through from your angle, like what do you, where do you think these things came from? If you know, you may not, but uh, maybe it's just the reward of, hey, this is profitable. That means it works. Let's go. That's fine too. But I'm just curious. Talk on that for a minute. Yeah, my um, entrepreneurial spirit kind of, the way you say it got beat out of me in the start of 2020 when the quarantine was happening and I wasn't doing much. I started to figure out ways how I can improve myself and um, how I can be sort of a better person, both mentally. And then also because I was doing, uh, I was looking into starting businesses then, I figured, well, if I'm helping myself mentally and uh, physically, I can also try and improve myself in the business aspect and in the entrepreneurial aspect. I'm sure that I always, I think I always wanted to be uh, an entrepreneur. And I would always see, because my, I do have a family of entrepreneurs, both my dad and my uncle both own their own um, companies. They've been, have been owning a business for 20 plus years. And I think a bit of that came from always, you know, seeing like what not necessarily what they had in terms of possessions, but you see, you live a happy life. You um, enjoy what you do. You enjoy waking up every day. That's mm-hmm. like, to me, the true meaning of success. And I also have had conversations with both my dad and my uncle before and getting their point of view take on it. What does like success mean to you? Are you like happy in a sense? And 
when I look at them, I kind of look at them as if it's like a, an inspiration or kind of like a mentor. Basically, what I want to try and achieve or what I want to, my goals that I set, I set them based on what sort of my dad and my uncle have done and, and created because I look at them as a huge inspiration and a huge motivation for me. I remember a, a story that um, happened last year. I think it was last year, maybe two years ago in December when I was starting out. I mentioned I had $300 in starting capital. Um, I actually got that $300 by um, helping out my uncle for a week with uh, his business. And I strongly insisted on not taking the money, but he said that I should take it and I couldn't give it back to him. So he told me that take the money and put it back into your Amazon business. At this point, it was just an idea. I had mentioned it to him. Um, He was really supportive and so was my dad. And he insisted that I take the money and put it into my Amazon business. And back then, I had created a goal that I would turn the $300 into 3000 in revenue and I would 10X it in a week. And that <laughs> such so an great. ambitious goal ended up actually happening. I turned it from 3000 or sorry, from $300 into 3000 in a week. So that first check you got from Amazon, you never told us the amount. That amount, because I was starting out, there was a pretty high level reserve. Sure. I think it was about... $500? Because you, you went out and bought $300 worth of inventory. You sold it. The first mm-hmm. check they sent you was 500 but they owed you more because they hold a reserve. Yeah, for sure. I was probably owed um, over 1000 but I think they took about half in the in the reserve right? Um, because I was starting out and I was a seller. And yeah. that tends to happen often. Amazon does take a pretty decent chunk of the reserve. But you continued rolling over that 300 and you've turned it into approximately what now, if you don't mind sharing, where are you at? Um, well, right now in total revenue, I'm somewhere between 70 and 75,000. In about so, a year. In about, in about a year. Yeah. About 13 or 14 months. Yeah. So That's def- pretty my incredible. next goal from that was turn 3,000 into 30,000. So 100 exit. And I ended up uh, achieving that as well. That's, that's amazing. The return on investment. Have you told your uncle these numbers yet? I have. Yeah, I told him a, a couple think? weeks ago. I've told my dad about it. He said everybody is so. My dad said everybody's so proud of me, and I told my uncle about it. He said that's great. It's, uh, it's incredible what you're doing. Did he? Which, did he uh, say, "Hey, can I give you more money? Can you uh, turn it into seventy five thousand dollars?" I think he told me some last uh, when I showed him the three hundred into three thousand. I think he told me, "Well, what if I gave you more? What can you do with that?" Exactly. That's how entrepreneurs it. think. You know, yeah. a lot of people think money going out of my pocket is money gone. Buy ice cream, buy shoes, buy a stock, buy crypto, put it into a bit, it's gone. But entrepreneurs think like investors constantly. Mm-hmm. So you see a place where you can turn 300 into 75,000 and that gets the interest of any entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, right? for sure. So one of the challenges you run into just as you grow and just, you know, having seen business and done it a long time is smart money seeks out smart places to sit. A dumb place to sit is in a paint can in your backyard. That's a dumb place to sit money. A smart place to sit money is in the pocket of someone like you, where your uncle's like, I don't understand this Amazon thing, but I just watched you turn 300 into 75,000. Here's some more. Do you want to do it again? And you know, give me 10% and keep the 90% for yourself of, of, the, of the gain. That's what the funding industry is. But the challenge is to make sure that your ambition to seek out money never surpasses your ability to continue growing. So that means working on yourself, keeping accurate track of your numbers, being transparent with what it is that you're actually doing so everyone knows, or just do it without any investor money. That's fine too. But at some point, that point of leverage could be very powerful for you. Because just based on what you've told me right now, I've got names of people that would give you $50,000 right now. And of of course, the expectation getting 55,000 back a year later Right. Mm-hmm. And you'd keep the benefit of the rest. But that's a great return on investment. 10% in one year. Yeah. Okay. That's good, man. Let's go. There's a lot of people that would love to do that. So you're going to, you're going to see that. So this, the, the world starts to open up for you, just like your uncle said, Hey, let's do yeah. that again. And, you know, maybe you pay me a little bit this time and I'll give you some business advice. Uh, but you've got some great mentors. I'm glad we dove into that part of your story uh, because I mean, uh, that's very telling. I figured you had someone like yeah. that besides just a podcast or two, you know, speaking into your life. Yeah. And I also have great friends as well. The majority of my friends are still doing their own thing. I 
don't know anybody who hasn't considered all of this stuff you see online about crypto and stocks and all that and drop shipping that hasn't seen it and yeah. seen people make a bunch of money with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, I do have um, a one friend that's extremely supportive and I motivate him. He motivates me. And um, we basically, since the, for the last couple of years, grew together in a sense. So mm-hmm. anytime I have a question or something, or I just need advice, or I go reach out to anybody, I'd reach out to him and vice versa. Yeah. And I, I think a great relationship is extremely important. Um, oh, it definitely is. Facet of life. Well, it's, it's some of the best advice I can give, especially to young men. I'm not that great at giving advice to young ladies, although I've got a, a daughter now and I'm getting better at it. But I understand guys a lot more because I am one. Uh, some of the best advice to give to guys in your age bracket would be, Cut out video games. Whatever you're doing right now, drop it by 90%. Like it, it serves no useful purpose whatsoever. He's like, well, that guy, he's making millions, you streaming. Like that's one in a bazillion. That's like saying, I'm going to be yeah. the next Brad Pitt. Like, let's be realistic here. You know, there's opportunity out there for some people, but for the masses, no. So stop gaming, turn it off, move away from it. That's not your future. The other one is have a friend, supportive friends, ideally a network of friends that are taking you to a better place, to a higher place, to, you know, the illustration I like to use is uh, I, when I taught youth groups, sometimes I'd do this, Daniel, I'd get like the, the biggest, strongest guy in the room, you know, and get him up there and say, hey, I need a big, strong volunteer get that dude up front. And then I'd get the smallest girl in the room, you know, the, or the weakest, you know, smallest, shortest, whatever. And I'd get them both up on the front and I'd get the big guy up on a chair. So now you got this big guy standing on a chair and I'm saying, this, this represents where you're at in life right now up on this chair. And let's say you're trying, there's someone who's weaker than you behind where you are, who's struggling, maybe making some bad decisions. That's, that, that's who this other person's going to represent. You have some fun with it. I say, okay, now I want you guys to grab hands. The big guy, your job is to get that person up to where you are, trying to lift them up to a higher place. And the shorter person's job is to try to pull the big dude off the chair. <laughs> mm-hmm. And every time, if they put any effort into it at all, the shorter, smaller, weaker, whatever, they would pull the person off the chair easily versus pulling someone up, you know, because it's so hard to lift people up. It takes a lot of work, energy, and effort. But to have people right. around you that pull you down, that's effortless. The default state is, you know, maybe you've heard of entropy, just toward, we, we all drift toward decay without a lot of extra effort and work. And that's what you're doing. You're surrounding yourself with other guys. And that's good. I'd like to encourage you to do that. And good mentors. A couple other pieces of advice is don't buy a motorcycle, man. I don't know if you're going to wait till you're 30. If, if you're going to wait to, because you're, there's a part of your brain that just doesn't work right yet. Young men on motorcycles is scared. Your mom will freak out too. <laughs> so don't do it. You know that. And then the last one I always say is, man, stay away from anything that that you'd be ashamed to know publicly known about you on the internet. Anything that like, yeah, just stay away from those images. Those That'll ruin your future relationships, man. So if you can do those four yeah. things, I actually, I heard it from a good friend of mine, a mentor of mine gave me those. I've used it every time, chance I get. Like, man, you can go so far so fast uh, in life uh, and you've got a lot of advantages right now. And so I'm hoping there's a lot of younger people that listen to this episode today to feel challenged by what you're sharing. But we haven't shared the whole story yet by any means, but... I do want to continue that. But that was just my chance since we've never spoken before. When I see a guy like you that's on a great path, those are some of the things that could kind of throw you off a little bit. Mind those things and, and, and manage them well. It sounds like you're doing a great job of it. But anything you want to talk about based on what I just said or you want to jump back into the story, your call, man. No, I definitely agree what you said. And um, one thing that I really love about the community you built is there are people out there that actually have a genuine care and appreciation for people like me. So in that, the example you just gave, giving me actual honest advice, I can't see another group out there that could possibly do that. And this is all um, extremely uh, true and real advice. And the uh, analogy sort of you gave with the shortest girl and the tallest um, guy, I actually heard you say that before. And I really agree with it. It's so much easier to pull someone down than it is to lift them up. And um, the idea you gave about surrounding yourself with uh, friends that are like you and like-minded friends, I have noticed and I have seen that you be, end up becoming the, the group you surround yourself within and the friends you um, hang out with, though that's the person you end up becoming. Yeah, um, you become you the average the, of the people you hang the out with. The average of the people you hang out with. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's right. 
And that, that wasn't you or I that came up with that. I mean, that's just kind of an old adage and, and uh, it, it rings very true. Again, when I'm speaking to young people, I'm like, yeah, look around you, who you're hanging out with, that's your future. I don't need to meet you to tell you where you'll be in five years. All I got to do is meet the yeah. people you hang out with a lot and, and what you're listening to. Show me what you're listening to and how, what you're learning, people you're hanging out with. We all know where you're going, right? it, exactly. but you're on a great path. You really are. I say it frequently on this show, but if you were a stock, man, I'd be going in hard right now. I'd, I'd take everything I got in Bitcoin and put it into Daniel right now, man, if I could, because you've got a great future ahead of you. You really do. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's, you've earned it. You've done the work, man. A lot. It's not just me that's going to be thinking that after this interview either. Uh, turning $300 into 75 grand as a 16-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing a lot of things right because you know it didn't just fall into your lap. You've worked hard for it, prepping and putting stuff in boxes and research. And you found a few losers, and you know stuff is broke as you're carrying it in the house. And you know sure. all, all those yeah. little challenges that go into doing this. But you've got this plane flying now. So good work, man. Well, let's jump back to spring 2021, about nine nine months or so ago, and you know talk us forward, get us up to speed. So in that March time, like I said, I was getting uh, more familiar with FBA and I started sending in more products. I was using the prep center. Um, I ended up finding a good product and branching off of that. One thing that I can, um, if I have anything to share with any beginners or any advice to give, is if you find a good product or a good brand during your um, sourcing time or while you are looking for products, um, it can be really beneficial to branch off of that product. So for example, if you're selling a toy from let's say Hasbro, if there's a two-pack or a four-pack, it could be very beneficial to look into that and see the bundled version. And not only that, look at the Hasbro brand. Type that into the search bar on Amazon and you'll be surprised. You'll see a lot of good Hasbro products you can find out there. And, And that's what I did. I ended up searching a product for that or with that um, sort of tactic. And I found about four or five different ASINs of that brand. And I scaled it until the very most that I could. Eventually, Amazon jumped on it and the price cut a lot. So I wasn't able to sell it back again. But at the time, I was able to find that brand and and branch off of it. And that did really well during the uh, March and April time. Yeah. One product can be multiple ASINs. I was For describing sure. yeah. recently to a, a big opportunity that we're, we're getting into. We've got a database of about 70,000 products that we have access to suddenly. And it's not that hard to get out there and find arrangements where people are saying, hey, here's our catalog. Yeah, order whatever. How do you go through it? How do you represent that opportunity to the person that you're talking to? And I told them, you know, that's 70,000 products. That's not 70,000 opportunities. It's probably a million or 2 million opportunities. Because each successful product in there, as we mine them out, it's multiple ASINs, like you just described. That one product might be, and I'm thinking of some of our top sellers. You know, we discovered this one good replin, this one good ASIN. We say, okay, what is it that makes this ASIN so great? Oh, look, here's a two pack of that same product. Oh, look, here's a here it is bundled with a, a useful utensil that's easily sourced, and here's another a five pack, a six pack. Maybe there's three six packs, and two of them are good replin. ASINs and one of them's not. So we sell them the two that are good. Right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of overlap in Amazon's catalog. Some people think it's a perfectly clean catalog. It's not. It's ugly. Sometimes, like for example, I love the example I just gave. You'll see three six packs for the exact same product. One of them's yeah. smoking hot on fire and the other one's selling a few a month. The other one yeah. is so overpriced, no one's ever bought anything from it. Learning to tell the tell them apart. Which one should I maybe spend some time with and, and use as a good replant and, and dive in there? So it's finding good ASINs, not good products. And you've obviously learned that lesson. Yeah, and that's how I was able to really expand my amount of products that I, I do sell. I found so many variations of. I've found a one product and I branch off of it and sell a two pack or a four pack, or I'll sell the green color or the blue color, or I'll mm-hmm. sell the extra large or the small version of it, whatever it could it may be. Um, that's definitely a great way. And you're not setting up new listings, are you? No, no. I'm just going off of what's already on the yeah. marketplace. Yeah. That's a it. lot of people, when we talk talk about you know going into variety on a product, they think, oh, okay, I'm going to set up a six-pack myself. I'm going to set up total. Now, how do I get traffic to that again? We're not talking mm-hmm. about that. We're talking about stuff that already has traffic and sales. 
it just involves one of these great products that you found and you can jump on it yourself right. with the other sellers who are already doing it and share that rotating buy box, right? And what's the, uh, think through some of the replens that have a lot of other sellers on it with you. Do you have any like that? Like I do. I've seen a, a few that I'm on that have jumped into about 15, 20 plus sellers. Yeah. And you're still profitable. Uh, yeah, definitely. The buy box rotates. So exactly. everybody gets a, everybody gets a shot. The I've seen sellers rotate. on there. I've seen <laughs> right. sellers on some of those with a thousand in stock, and I've seen new newly launched or just launched sellers mm-hmm. with two in stock or one in stock. And the buy everybody, box rotates. Yep. And me and all the other twenty uh, sellers, we all get a chance at the sale. Yeah. And until somebody comes along and tanks the price, but even then, all you do is you just kind of hang out at your good price, let them yeah. sell out at a loss. They learn their lesson. They take their beating. They're gone. <laughs> Everyone's happy again. Back up. They with usually the price don't come be. back either. Yeah. No, they don't. They, they don't. maybe it's a new seller and they're learning a hard lesson. They didn't do their math well. They lose five dollars a unit. They're not going to do that again. They're going to come out back up where everybody else is. So don't worry when the price tanks. It's typically temporary on most really good ASINs. Really is. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a great model. It really is a great model. You mentioned eighty percent of your replans from that 150 were profitable. Is that about your average right now? If you went and found 10 replans, you, you think to yourself, yeah, eight of these are going to be good two, three, four months from now. I will have made some good money off of them. And the rest are what kind of break even or small losses, right? Yeah. I mean, I generally have a rule of thumb when I look um, for an, a replan. I look for a minimum margin of 25%. If it does sell very well, then I won't totally neglect under 25%. But I'll just see and justify to see, okay, is this worth selling based on my sort of parameters that I've set? With that, the uh, about 80%, if not more, I would even say, if I find 10 um, replins, eight or nine will sell. Yeah, and maybe because you're doing your research won't. ahead of time. Yeah, you yeah, know what um, to expect. Exactly. Yeah. Always checking Keepa and looking at the statistics, the sales rank, always looking at the if anybody's um, new to Keepa or wants a tip, you can go to filter through the last year or even all time and just look at the history of that product. You'll gain a lot of insight on how the buy box rotates. Um, you'll figure out the pricing to see if, well, right now this product is at $20, but two days ago it was at seven or it was at $9.99. So maybe I shouldn't sell this product. It can help you and save you from getting into a lot of bad products, which I have even some experience in myself. There are products that I had listed that when I was on it, the Keepa was showing $50 and the buy box was 45. And then all of a sudden it goes down to 20 and the price cut in half and my margin's gone. But when those happen, generally because you can find so many fast moving replins, usually the losers, they always get break even or they get beaten by your winners. So if you have 10 losers that you lost a dollar on, You'll, if you have a winner that makes you $10, you're good because you've just broken even. So you don't really have to worry about those. And it all comes with experience. Failure is a big lesson that you have to learn, but you should never be scared of it and accept it as a lesson. Yeah, it, it really, it's an incredible business model from the vantage point that you just mentioned where, and I just restate what you just said, but there's no such thing as a long line of perfect products. But if you can win way more than you lose, it's it's kind of like in, you know you're not flipping a 50-50 coin on these things you're coming up 80 90% of the time you're coming up with winners so you can take mm-hmm. those small losses and you're never going in super deep either that's one of the things that we don't point out probably often enough about this system is at no point have you gone out and bought 500 units of anything right like what's the right. most you've ever bought of any product that does a good replan at, at one time maybe 5 6 yeah, exactly like so Not you turn more you turn $300 into $75,000 and you never bought more than five or six of any one product. Exactly. That's an yeah. amazing model. That's, that's what you call uh, diversifying your investments across yeah. multiple risk points. But you know that 90% of the time it's going to pay off. It's a, it's a pretty exactly. incredible model. And to have a, a six John really grasp the numbers of it. And I gave you a little bit of homework. Do you remember what that was? But when I saw you were coming up as a, as a young man on the episode, I gave you some homework. Do you recall? I do. Yes, I do. And I have it ready for you. Awesome. I've got well everything. done. I hadn't checked in with you. I kind of put you on the spot there. Good work. Yeah. What, what do you got for us? So what I've got, I'm going to go off of the last couple months. In November, the hourly wage 
was $59 an hour. And in December, that number was $61. That's very precise. Talk us through what those numbers mean, because I don't think anyone knows uh, the homework we're talking about yet, just you and me. So what was the assignment and, and how'd you come to those numbers? Just in a approximate way. You don't have to go into the math detail. Yeah. So I got that from the uh, revenue and profit. The $59 is the month of November. Of that, uh, $20,000 was revenue and about $4,400 was profit. I had worked 74 hours that month, which brings a hourly wage of $59. And in December, I had $17,000 in revenue with about $3,800 in profit. And I had worked uh, 63 hours that month. The reason I had worked less that month was because I was preparing to go on vacation. And I wasn't actually in Canada where I could do all the prepping. And since it's a one-man one team, it's just me. I run everything. Um, I wasn't there. But it's great to see that it still was very consistent. And I actually beat last month's hourly wage. Of $2. So, so of course, for those who haven't figured it out yet, my homework assignment for, for young Mr. Daniel here was, what do you earn per hour? Do the math. Yep. And he said he hadn't done it before. Hey, yeah, I'll take a shot. So for a couple months leading up to this podcast, he took a look at his numbers and good work. Do you have any of your friends earning 60 bucks an hour right now? Uh, not that I know of. but <laughs> That's about 120000 or so a year. Not yeah. that, you know, you've got friends who will soon be going off to college and I don't know what your plans are, but you're going to go tens of thousands of dollars in debt quite likely to get a job that pays them half or less than that. And here you are, part-time effort from the numbers you're sharing with me, pulling down 60, 60 bucks an hour with a system yeah. that can be offloaded onto others and probably turned into something significantly more than that even over time because you've got the bare basics in place. It's not like you're, there's, you know, new expensive things you're going to have to put into place as you grow. You've got the basic machine already running. You're going to need even more supplies and such. But this business is set to grow, man. You're in growth mode. Yeah. And I was actually comparing these numbers to what I used to make at my part-time job at a grocery store. Um, I had mentioned that I quit my part-time job in September to focus on Amazon mm -hmm. um, full-time. And I would make about $14 an hour at that grocery store. And mind you, that was gross. The net of that, because there, there is always something to take away from that, was about $11.5 an hour. And that was at a place where I didn't really like it at all. And I was just there. I remember every time I would go there, the main reason and my focus for being there was so that I can make the um, money there and then put it back into Amazon. I always had this um, thought that I need to um, make money to, or I need to spend money to make money. And with Amazon, it is a capital intensive business. And I thought that getting a part-time job would be helpful. And it was also my first ever part-time job. And all the money that I made from there, I ended up putting back into the Amazon business. And it gave me a really good idea and let me sort of grasp the concept of, I went from $11.5 an hour to now on the high $61 an hour. Uh, it's just incredible what this business can do. And if you really put the time into it and you set yourself up and you are determined and motivated to do it, um, you can definitely make something out of it. And I'm not an outlier. I'm not anybody that is incredible or crazy. There's so many other people in this group that have done even more than that. So if that's not proof enough, I don't know what is. Yeah, you're exactly right. That's one of the reasons I like to keep the focus on this. Maybe this is one of the first episodes people have heard. The thing I like to focus on this podcast is if we're going to claim to be teaching a lot of people how to build businesses online, let's parade them in front of the audience and say, hey, here's my story. Here's my story. So we've got now, I don't know, 100 plus, 200 of these interviews of people who from all walks of life all around the world building incredible businesses. And I learn something and get inspired every single time. As we start to wrap this one up, I do want to hear what lessons do you have, if any? Was there anything on your list to think and third, like, hey, I want to be sure to say this to the audience because we do need to start wrap this episode up. But what else is on your mind, Daniel? This has been a great episode, by the way. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. And I'm glad it's been great. I've really enjoyed it myself. Um, there are some things that I do want to mention. The first thing is, I really do just want to say my praise and say my thank yous to everybody in the community and in the group. I think if you are new and you are beginning and you're just starting your Amazon journey and you've come across this group, treat it as a blessing in disguise because you are ahead 
of people like me that had to go through other um, groups that weren't um, helpful or weren't really able to allow me to scale or they didn't show me the time of day. I feel like this group really does um, encourage everyone and they are very helpful and they treat you like family. Every time I put something in uh, the comments in the Facebook group or anytime I ever face uh, a success or share my story, I get amazing comments and everybody is just so super excited and happy to hear me and see me succeed, um, which I really appreciate. And I definitely can say wholeheartedly that there would be no way I could have done this and could have achieved these sort of numbers without the proven Amazon course and the group itself. So that's number one. And um, number two, just a little bit of advice for um, anybody starting out, or even if you're experienced, something that I found that's very helpful, set goals for yourself. And maybe if you want to write them down, or you just want to think of them and put them in your head, um, set a goal, create a um, list of goals, attach a date to it. So say, I want to reach this by this time. And I think if you, um, and from my experience, if you write down your goals, and you set forth and put your mind to them and stay determined, you can 100% achieve them. That's what I did when I had the $300 and I set my goal and I wrote it down and I put a time um, to turn into 3000 and I did it. And the same thing, 100xing it to 30000 And just like I mentioned earlier, the next goal, which would be a million dollar business by 18, I think if you really um, stay determined, stay motivated, there is no reason why you cannot do it. Fantastic. You're very articulate. Do you do a lot of reading? I do. Yeah. I have a few books back there. You can see those. Okay. I, can, I see now. Yeah. I can tell. And uh, who, who's your favorite teacher? Tell us about your favorite teacher. I'm just curious. Well, I think that I'll just say a, a really good um, author that I've read um, that I think has taught me a lot just through the books and then also through. I'm listening to their conferences and speeches. Um, Napoleon Hill is mm -hmm. the author of a book, Think and Grow Rich. Yep. When I before I started Amazon and when I was sort of getting into my journey of entrepreneurship and I was seeing all the success and the motivation and inspiration around me from my family and from the community, I would I would um, read through his book and try to apply the principles that are taught inside the book. And there, I think very, um, not only are they very true and do actually really work, but I think if you internalize them and uh, study them to the best of your ability, you can really make a lot for yourself and you can really improve and benefit yourself a lot. The book uh, helps with all facets of life. It explains some things on how to be a better person, how to be a better businessman, just how to be more knowledgeable and how to stay consistent, how to stay determined and um, how to stay motivated, things like that, which I think um, from my experience and from what I've read, uh, he is definitely one of my favorite teachers. I love that you answered my question with an author. I love that. And I won't go into why, but I think it's tremendous. I, I think that's just, just fantastic. How are you at school grades-wise? Just curious. Right now, my grades are... I, I definitely tackle uh, Amazon and school at the same time. So it's a lot overwhelming, but I yeah. definitely do put a lot of time into my grades. I'm averaging above 85% right now. Yeah. Well, the majority of my classes. Just from one entrepreneur to another, I don't want to get in trouble with your mom or anything, but uh, your parents, <laughs> but nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, because ultimately you're going to be hiring people who are out there busting, trying to get good grades. That's who's going to work for you someday. And, and I'm one of these, and I, again, I'm not telling you to turn it off, man, go for it. Do you, you're young, you're energetic, you got the time and the energy to do it all and do it all well. But I came out, I barely got out of college with C's and marketing and here I am. <laughs> You know, yeah. it's, it's not about the grades, man. It's about the determination and what's inside of you. And you've got a fire inside of you that's contagious and exciting. And uh, if I'm hiring you someday, I could care less what grades you got. I can tell you that right now. I'd be honored to work with you at some point on a project and have you teach me some things. I'm sure there's a lot you could teach me. And if we had more time, I'd love to dive into it further. But I do need to wrap this episode up. I got some family commitments, actually. Uh, would you come back and, and uh, do another update episode for us? Maybe when you're a millionaire here in about 18 months or so? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it's been a pleasure to be on the podcast now. I'd love to do an update. That would be awesome. 
We'll look forward to it, man. And you've got to come to our event. It's looked like we're, we're shaping something out for August, 2022. We'll start to I'm have glad some you mentioned soon. because I will be there. Awesome. I have plans of going me and a friend that also is a part of the community and also um, does online arbitrage. Fantastic. Um, me and him will both be, we'll both be attending. We're, we'll let's make it happen, man. I, I I'm going wait. to make it happen just to get a chance to meet you guys. So, well, let me talk to the listeners for just a second and, I don't even have to say it, man. This was another one of those episodes where if it had just been Daniel and I, it'd have been a blast. But hey, congratulations. You got to come along for the ride today too. So I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, but I really don't care if you did or not, actually, because I'm just energized now. I'm I'm so enthused by this kid. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed it as well. Share this with a young person you know, who's maybe kind of thinking around what their options are. Um, this kid's doing life and doing business at the same time, getting some decent grades if that if that's important to you and where you're at. It can be done. He's built an incredible business using the stuff we teach, or maybe just be inspired. Hey, if this kid can do it, so can I kind of thing. You know, that's that's a good way to to maybe absorb this episode today too. But no matter what you take away, my hope for you is that it brings you closer to where it is you want to be as far as financial freedom, some of these principles that you can apply to your life. We love bringing you episodes like this with great guests. And uh, it was sure an honor and a privilege for me today. So to all the business building warriors out there, God bless you. We're in your corner. We're here for you. As Daniel pointed out, we've got a great free Facebook group. There's a link in the show notes. Or you can go to silentgym.com anytime if you're not in there yet. Jump in, see what he's talking about. About 80,000, well, coming up on, sorry, 70,000 people around the world. And there's a few rules we have in place that makes it a really positive, uplifting, encouraging place, even if you're brand new. Come check it out. So, hey, Daniel, thanks, man. I appreciate you. No problem. Thank you so much. Yeah, God bless you, buddy. Great time. Yeah, me me too, man. God bless you, buddy. And we'll have another great episode for the listeners again real soon. Talk to y'all then. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentgym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.